if you're contributing to someone else being broke because you're not working hard enough, holy shit, man, that's a whole other ballgame. Welcome to the podcast by Mikhail Alphon. Before we get started on today's episode, I just wanted to point out one of my sponsors, Mike Me Audio, who actually created that incredible intro that you just heard. Now, Mike Me is actually responsible for creating Gary Vaynerchuk's intro, as well as uh, Brittany Crystal's on her Beyond Influential podcast. And what I love about it is it simply gives your podcast that high-end, high-production feel that really grabs your listeners' attention. Now, the good news is if you want an intro for yourself, you can actually go to micme.com, that's M-I-C-M-E.com, and use the promo code MIC at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off your first intro. And they make the process really easy. All you got to do is set in your script, uh, choose your music, choose your uh, voiceover actor, and they'll create it for you within 72 hours. Again, check out micme.com and use promo code MICK, M-I-Q-K, and you know the Q comes before the K, and you'll get 10% off at checkout. But before I speak too much, let's get on to the show. What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. As always, I am super pumped on this episode, but this one in particular. Today, we're bringing on an Orange County entrepreneur. He is the founder of Work. It's a boutique fitness studio, and they kick your ass. But it's a lot of fun and an incredible personality as well. I'm glad to get to know him on the podcast and record it and uh, for all of you. But before I speak too much, Dane, why don't you say what's up to the listener? And we can ask ourselves what that noise was in the background later. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> listeners. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet you guys. Thanks so much for listening at all. Um, I'm going to do my best to, uh, to fill your ears with, um, something that's not too nonsensical and, and make this time worthwhile for all of us. Uh, I do want to add in, we do not kick your ass at work. We make <laughs> suggestions and you choose whether to kick your own ass or not. I just want to make that very clear. <laughs> you know what? That's, that's actually fair. And I apologize. I don't apologize yeah. for that at the beginning because... I'm happy that your motivation allowed me to kick my own ass. There you go. I you love know it. what I mean? And I'm it, proud of that too. Yeah, man. It's a lot of fun. Like I loved from the second I walked in, mm. I was just like, damn, this guy's doing it right. Like, oh, thank you. The, the signage on the wall, the candles had like your logo on it. Mm. The, your greeting staff was great. Yeah. Um, and then the community that you've built oh. is really cool. And I, <laughs> in my head, I was like, wait, did he tell everybody I was coming and they're super nice? And then in my head, I was like, no, nah, I think they're just really cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's some low-key sneaky, right? Like some important person's coming. Like everybody, yeah, yeah. Everybody got an email the night before. No. Yeah. How, no, no. how, how like narcissistic am I? Just like, oh, he must have told everybody. Yeah. That was coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. No, I mean, it's kind of one of those deals like anything, right? Like you go into a place where there's strong culture and you're kind of like, like, what is the Kool-Aid? So mm -hmm. I think all of us, we, we walk into anywhere that, that is, is outside the norm and, and something kind of raises up, whether it's the hair on the back of our neck or whether it's some kind of sneaky suspicion or whatever. I mean, we're all, we're all kind of, you know, nowadays we don't want to be fooled or sold or whatever. So it's kind of like, like what's going on, you For know, sure. but, uh, but no, like our people are legit that friendly and that's what makes it, uh, that's what makes it a lot of fun, man. It's a, it's a pretty special place. Yeah. Pretty special place. So let's start from the beginning. Okay. What was it like to hang out with you in high school? Oh man, that's such a good question. Um, uh, I tell people all the time that I'm, a, I'm such a different person and I think we all do. You know, I've got some employees now that are a little bit younger and I try to give them the advice, you know, uh, there are no wrong choices in life, 
right? Other than drugs. But there's no <laughs> wrong choices in life, right? Like, you know, I'm deciding between this job or going back to college. Like either one, you're going to grow from, mm-hmm. right? Either one, there's going to be invaluable lessons and either one have value for long-term in your life. Um, whether it's one job or another job, whatever. So anyways, I make that point to say, you know, I look back at myself especially like during my twenties, mid twenties, I went through a ton of personal growth and development. Um, I got introduced to some people that were doing things just differently than other people I had Mm -hmm. met. They were reading books that I'd never read or heard about. They were, um, they were acting in fellowship and community in a way that I hadn't seen. Right. I mean, like most adolescent youth males, um, I had way too much testosterone. I was chasing tail. I was, I mean, I've always been a nice guy. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm a good person. I think most people are just inherently good people. Mm. There, there are some that aren't, but I think most people <laughs> do, you know, inherently have this, this, this goodness about them. Um, we just have, you know, little personality quirks and we communicate differently. I think that's where people really get into trouble is just the communication differences. But overall, I think most of us want the same things. Yeah. Um, and so I was just going about the things that I wanted probably the wrong way. A lot of times I was, sure. so, I mean, I was a nice guy hi, hanging out with me. Is your question, you'd probably laugh a lot, but then you'd probably be scared. I had a really bad temper. I was, it was kind of a, really? kind of a yeah, really bad temper. I used to punch a lot of stuff, break doors. My but dad I, loves to joke now, like holes in my doors that I should have paid for, you know, sure. cause he just sold his house and he had to replace the doors. Like he wanted to invoice <laughs> me for, uh, <laughs> so fun, stupid stuff. Uh, you know, I drove my car too fast. I was into sports. I was, I mean, I was, I was very much kind of a quintessential kind of Americana kid, I guess. Yeah. And I was, was me in high school. But that being said, now that I'm a man, and I understand the difference between boyhood and manhood, I was super insecure and that mm-hmm. drove everything, sure. you know, uh, su- super, you know, duper searching for acceptance, searching for love, searching mm-hmm. for, um, you know, the, the, the things that we all search for wanting to belong to something. Um, and so, you know, I made mistakes, but, uh, overall I think it was a nice kid. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I look back and I kind of laugh. Yeah. Yeah. You're an athlete growing up, right? Yeah. Yeah. All throughout, all throughout, uh, adolescence, I played sports. Yeah. What was your favorite sport to play? Oh, my favorite sport is still my favorite thing like ever is football. I yeah. love football. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't watch a ton anymore now that we have the business <laughs> and my wife and I are, we're, we're like cord cutters, you know, we're like Netflix and Amazon prime, everything. But, um, uh, so I don't watch a ton of sports anymore. My Saturdays are kind of taken. So I don't watch a lot of college football anymore or pro, but, um, I loved football. Uh, but I played baseball the longest. I, mm. you know, I started baseball when I was five. I played till oh. I was 19. I started skiing when I was three years old. Um, and I still love snow sports, you know, I'll ski and snowboard. Um, and then, you know, I did track one year. I was on the swim team from like seven to 13. Um, you know, when, when, when you're 13 wearing a speedo, isn't cool anymore. Right. And so that's when I was stopped. wearing a speedo ever cool. Well, I mean, when you're seven, you don't care about being cool, right? That's the best part of you yeah. is when you're so young, right? You're so blissfully ignorant. Nothing matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when I was seven, I didn't care. When I was 13, I was like, ah, I don't know about this thing. <laughs> it was before like they had like the shorts now. They have like, they call them jammers. I'm like, yeah. hey, why didn't I get some jammies? You know, like, come on. But uh, yeah, no, so I, I kind of did everything. Yeah. So you had to deal with a shoulder injury at one point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did this stop anything from you like performing as an athlete? No, I mean, no. I mean, so, so give you an example, right? Like me as a kid versus, you know, and now, so I used to tell people that, um, I, I stopped playing football because the, the varsity coach didn't like me Mm. and I didn't want to be on a team with him and whatever. Right. And that's half true. He didn't like me. We didn't like each other. Um, (laughs) but I quit playing after my sophomore year because I was afraid of failure. I was afraid, I had built up in my mind that I was so good that if I actually went on that field and didn't perform as well as I thought I could in my own head, Mm -hmm. 
I, I couldn't handle that, that truth, that reality. Right. So now, you know, at 32, I realize what 16 year old me was going through. I have the vocabulary now. I have the emotional intelligence to understand that at the time you lie to yourself, you know, you tell yourself things, you build your own realities. And, and so, but anyway, so back to the shoulder injury, that was something that I would tell people too. Oh man, you know, playing football, I, you know, it's, it's going to mess me up for baseball. And, and, and I was, I was very good at, at baseball, uh, you know, one of the captains of the team. And so, you know, it was, oh, that, that's another excuse that I can pile on to not face my, my fear of actually not being, you know, sucking at football reality. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I loved it so much. I was terrified of failing at it, you know? Wow. So, yeah. So kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I Most mean, people don't know that story or that, or that side of the story. The interesting part is not necessarily it. The interesting part to me is the self-awareness knowing that you were like, look, I was afraid of failure and I made oh, yeah. it up an excuse oh, yeah. so that I could do that. Oh yeah. Um, you mentioned that in your mid twenties, you started hanging out with people that were reading different books than you used to read. What, what were one of those books? Oh man. Uh, think and grow rich was probably the first one. Napoleon Hill. It's quintessential. Everybody reads that. Um, Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence mm. people. Um, and even though it's kind of like there are aspects of it because it's so dated that like you read it and the language is kind of hokey. It's still like, it is so timeless. And I think, you know, if, if, if civilizations around a thousand years from now, people will still be reading that book. So how to win friends and influence people is, is quintessential, I think to people's growth. Um, a good one that I love, love, love is called the slight edge by Jeff Olson. Haven't heard of that. It's all about the law of compounding interest. And so he, he, he basically outlines, you know, with my credit card debt. Yes. With your credit card debt, with everything. Okay. So (laughs) he talks about, you know, relationships. He talks about your education. He talks Mm. about your work. He talks about your body, right. And health He talks about your finances. So law of compounding interest. He's, his argument is the slight edge in life. And the Mm. slight edge is the little thing, the thing you're either going to do or you're not going to do. And it's the thing that's easy to do or easy not to do. And, um, we all know that we should probably save a little bit more, but since not saving right now doesn't hurt us right now, mm. we keep not saving. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, you know, the workout or the, the, the cheeseburger, right. It's easy to eat a cheeseburger. It's easy to not eat a cheeseburger. Mm. It's debatable <laughs> when it's in front of you. <laughs> well, you, you all, no, 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 right. You're culpable, right. You've got to, you've got to go into the store. You've got to unwrap the thing. You've got to pay for it. Right? Um, so and, and the reason we do, we, we, we understand long-term what health effects, you know, might be caused by, as a result of something, you know, smoking or, you know, eating a certain way, et cetera, et cetera. But if we don't experience that pain right now in real time, we're just as likely to continue engaging in that behavior. So that's the idea is the slight edge is, you know, making little habits on a day-to-day basis and then looking at the aggregate effect. Mm. Because at the end of the day, you know, my wife likes to, I forget who the quote is from, but um, she uses it as kind of like a motivation piece, but it's like the time is going to pass anyway. So if there's something that you're waiting on, right? Like just, just do it, man. Like just start because yeah. the time is going to pass anyway. And so whatever that thing is, you know, we kind of look at it from that slight edge standpoint. So that's a really good book. Um, other uh, PD books, um, you know, Og Mandino, greatest salesman in the world. Um, sure. If you have a faith background, uh, the greatest, um, the greatest secret in the world is really good as well. Um, what else, man? A, a lot. I love, I love reading, and that time in my life really kind of spurred that up in me. So yeah, I love the love the the, the PD stuff, PDG. <laughs> I agree with you, obviously. You yeah. Know this. <laughs> yeah, I, I see anybody your, I see your like, quotes. Yeah, yeah. Anybody sure. that like knows me a little bit, they're like, oh, no wonder that they're friends. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so you went to Azusa. You ended up working at yeah. Equinox, right? Mm-hmm. You got it. Um, how long into working at Equinox were you like, forget this? I'm gonna do my own thing. 
Honestly, a long time. Um, probably at least a year and a half. So Equinox is a fantastic company. And as far as big box gyms, I think they do a lot of things really right. Um, even from a corporate, especially now that I, that I run a business and I see some of those inner workings that they do that I didn't appreciate or understand at the time, now I do. Um, they're a great company. However, um, like a lot of bigger businesses, and at this time they had already been acquired uh, by the related real estate group, um, they, uh, they became very numbers driven and you have to, once you scale to a certain size, um, it's, you know, any, any business, the numbers really, really start to matter. And so I had to hustle and hustle and hustle to make a certain amount of income. And that's fine. That's my choice. I wanted to make this much money. I appreciated, I loved that I was able to work harder, right? Cause some people, if you work a nine to five and it's a salaried position, you know, in, in theory, you do a better job, right? You get promoted, whatever, but not necessarily in some instances, there's nowhere for you to grow in a company. Right. Sure. So what I loved is that I could work harder and I physically got compensated because of that. What was tough was I couldn't take time off. So they had a compensation schedule that was basically, you know, you work X number of sessions, billable personal training sessions, and you get made your, your, your basically per session rate. Well, if you hit this bonus tier, now every single session, you actually get a higher rate for. So you're incentivized. There are four different tiers to work as hard as you can, as much as you can. In health and fitness, it's kind of one of the, the dark side. A lot of trainers get out of shape like fast because that. working all the time, right? Like, like anybody, right? You're focused on the job. You're not focused on the actual fitness side for yourself anymore. Mm. So it's so funny in fitness. So many people get into it because they love being fit. They love athletic sports. Maybe they have a weight loss story. Maybe they, they have some kind of health thing that they've overcome. Maybe they just love the body, whatever. Right. But you get into fitness because you love a fitness. And then when the business takes over a lot of people's personal health and fitness backslides sure. and it's tough. So, um, so I was about a year and a half in and I was grinding and grinding and I was doing well. But again, if I took time off, I couldn't make those bonus percentages, uh, incentives. And so that was tough. And then I also got a little bit jaded because I was, um, you know, not to toot a horn, but I, I was working so much volume. Um, I became one of the top performers of the company, one of the top 25 trainers in, out of any Equinox, like 2,000 trainers. And uh, we were in New Newport Beach, right, in the company headquarters in New York. And so executives would come out literally just twice a year. And when they came out, not only did they never introduce themselves to me or any of the other training staff, but they never introduced themselves to my clients. Mm. And that always ate at me. Yeah. Like these people aren't just paying my bills, man. Like they're paying your bills. Right. And, um, and that, but like, what is fitness about? If it's like personal training, why do they call it personal? Because it's personalized. Like yeah. it's supposed to be relational. And so the fact that I just felt that they didn't truly care about my clients beyond a dollar sign, like just irked me. Mm. And so it was around like that year and a half, two year mark that I started getting hungry for something else. Like there's gotta be a different way in fitness. I just didn't know what that thing was yet. Sure. So. And is that when you started work? No, no. So I, um, I was, I had a client who, um, introduced me to some buddies of his who were starting another, uh, another local franchise. Now it's called the 12. And when they had asked me to come in, I'd never had any group experience. And I was, you know, I come from a background of like, you know, group exercises is, is, you know, unitards and, uh, you know, aerobics and step and, 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 and that still exists. And what I is love it, it. Richard Simmons. Is that the guy? Yeah. I mean, Richard Simmons. Exactly. Right. That's Jane awesome. Fonda. Like yeah. that's me. Like, Oh my God, that, that's group exercise. <laughs> and, um, and so anyway, so I went to go see this guy train 
<clears throat> and they said, you know, this is the guy that you're going to be working with. And I got my ass handed to me. So kind of like your intro, sure. right? I, I just got, I died. <laughs> and, um, and I, I went home to my then girlfriend at the time. And I was like, I, I got to have more of this in my life. Like I had not, you know, I was probably, shoot, I don't know, I guess I was 25 or 26 at the time. And I had not worked that hard since literally high school football or baseball practice. And I was like, yes, like I need this again in my life for my yeah. own training. And so I fell in love with it very quickly. And then the group dynamic is very different from the personal one-on-one -on -one dynamic. Um, there's just a lot of energy because there's more bodies in the room. Yeah. And so it becomes this, this sort of um, naturally occurring, this sort of organic, really cool vibe, like rhythm, uh, vibration that occurs in the room when, when, when class is really kind of hitting. And, um, and it just became a lot of fun. So I worked there for uh, about a year and a half and we were starting to grow well. And now, um, and now we're thinking about a second location and Hey Dane, you know, maybe you could be a manager and that kind of a thing. And I said, you know what, I, I at this point, cause I'd been reading those books because I'd been investing in myself and my future, before that, I, I didn't know where I was going to go. At Equinox, I considered management. I considered maybe trying to grow in a company. People asked me, you know, uh, would you ever want to start your own gym? And I'm like, all I know is big box, right? I, I can't afford a facility like this. Where am I going to go get that kind of cap? So I just had no real direction. When I started with the 12, it was, oh, there's this boutique side of the industry. Uh, there's this smaller footprint sort of model that people are, are adopting to and mm -hmm. really enjoying. And okay, now here's something that we can do. So I thought I was going to grow in that organization. And it just became very clear that there wasn't vertical growth for me. Um, I asked them, I approached them just straight up. Hey, can I go borrow capital? I will bring it to the table. I would love to become an owner. And they said, you know, we just don't want to grow that way. We would love for you to manage. We'd love to have you here, mm -hmm. but there, there's basically subtext, there's always going to be a limit. Right. And, um, and I literally put in my two weeks that night and, Good for uh, you. <laughs> thanks. And so, uh, so yeah, so it took a year, took a while. We were looking at, um, you know, a local, uh, spin class franchise, um, and talking with some people over there. My wife and I began, um, and I met my wife at the 12. Um, so that's awesome. Awesome part of the journey. Um, and we were uh, doing spin classes, teaching, et cetera. I was still had personal training clients who had followed me from Equinox. I was running space, you know, places and making money that way. Um, and we just kind of knew that we always wanted to do something that was similar to what some of these other, you know, studio boutiques were doing. We just wanted to kind of put our own little thumbprint on it. Sure. And uh, so it took us about a year after leaving the 12, like I said, but um, work was born. August of 2015, work was born. And now we're here three years later and it's all, uh, it's all awesome. <laughs> You didn't go to school for business, right? No, I went to school for exercise science. My degree is literally mm -hmm. applied exercise science. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny because that was actually rhetorical. Like I knew exactly what you went to school for. Oh, got it. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> no, no, it's not that. It's me in my head evaluating myself as we're having this conversation, okay. which is kind of weird. In what way? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, mainly in like, how am I delivering these questions right now? Gotcha. Listener, gotcha. how do you like it so far? Yes. Um, no, but... Uh, I wanted to say, it's like, that's kind of a, like, I didn't go to school for business either. Right. right? But you made the jump. What did you do to prepare yourself to like, Hey, I'm going to do this now. I think it's a scary thing for a lot of people. It's very scary. Yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, a, a couple things and some of them are going to sound, um, dismissive and that's not the, that's not the, the goal, but I think some people are a little bit deluded in their thinking. Um, when you own a business, right. And it's a, so it's the same thing as like that community thing. Um, you're not responsible for it. You're responsible to it. 
and I use that a lot. And people don't get it. They don't get it. The second you hire somebody, the second their income is now more important than yours. And people don't realize that. If, if you're not busting ass to make sure that that person is doing okay, it, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. That's number one. Number two, it, it, it isn't a business unless you have other people going on. And that's not to demean, right? I was a personal trainer. It's not a business until? Until, well, it's not a business until you can step away and it still runs itself, Sure. right? A lot of people don't understand. A lot of people are self-employed. Mm-hmm. They own their own job, mm-hmm. but they're self-employed. Right. And they don't think that, right? Right? Like if you're a, and this is, again, this is not a knock, but if you're a massage therapist, if you're a personal trainer, what I did, if you're a, a personal chef, if you're anything where you're doing some one-off service that you're providing for somebody, yes, you know, the state of California asks you to, you know, file, you know, LLC licensing and, you know, you got to, you got to file your forms and you've got to, you know, work with the EDD and you got to pay taxes a different way and you got to do these different things. But the fact of the matter is if you stop working and business stops, it's not a business, it's a job and you might own your own. So anyways, um, so understanding that, Hey, we're going to open something we're going to bring other people into this mm-hmm. and we need to generate enough capital because any, anybody can be lean for a while, right? Yeah. You can, I mean, we've all, we've probably all done it, right? You, you're just broke, right? When you leave college or you're out of high school, yeah. you know, when you take your first job, if you don't go to school, you're broke, right? Yeah. Like, it's not like you're not saving money. You're not making enough to, yeah. right? So we can all be broke by ourselves. If you're contributing to someone else being broke because you're not working hard enough, holy shit, man, that's a whole other ball game. So- that's what I mean. Like you're not responsible for the business. You're more responsible to the business. Mm. And I think that the people who do really well in business are the ones who understand that there's a high level of responsibility for other people's success, not their own. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm so pumped. I'm like taking all these notes. I'm like, cool. Here's all of my Instagram content for the next uh, <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> no, dude, it's, it's, it's so true. And though. I don't even know if I answered your question. I don't even remember. No, but the question was, what did you do to prepare yourself to make oh, the jump? Uh, on it, I joke around all the time, but, it, but it's, a, it's the truth, man. Uh, I have an MBA from Shark Tank and The Prophet. It was a lot of NBC. Bro, I went to the same school. Yes, that a boy. There it is. <laughs> and it's, Gary Vaynerchuk. He uh, yeah, yeah, so, well, I only discovered Gary V in the last, like, year and a half. Yeah. So, Gary V is definitely impactful for me now. Love GV. Still screwing up in every way, right? Like, yeah. reading his content, but not actually applying it. Yeah. Um, and he talks about, oh, then I'm being tactical, right? I'm not tactical yet. But anyways, we're getting there. Um, but yeah, man, freaking just YouTube episodes. Yeah. And then buying, you know, from Amazon video, like, mm-hmm. old episodes and whatever. But it's true. I mean, I... I went to um, I went to a local um, business school for a couple months, and I actually did early on in college uh, take like an accounting class, and I took like a macro and micro class. But I remembered none of it, and now I kick myself like, why didn't you pay more attention? Yeah, um, to everything, to, to all of it. Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, to all of it. Why did you take any of it more seriously, you yeah. idiot? Um, so I was watching, you know, all the videos, whatever, and I learned. I took an accounting class, and. I learned more about EBIT and EBITDA and mm-hmm. really how to read a profit and loss statement and income statement. I learned more of that, you know, truthfully by watching those shows and the, you know, the, the understanding what impacts the actual bottom line, right? Uh, your gross income versus your net income versus, right? So 
And what the difference between gross profit and net profit, right? So those are two different things. Um, Learning about amortization, learning about uh, inventory uh, flows. And I mean, you learn LIFO and FIFO in accounting class, but unless you're the actual accountant, you're not the one, you know, you're not booking, okay, last in first at first. You're not doing that. In, In real business, you're looking at the high level and the chunks of numbers is what really matters. And so you learn how to dictate this versus this. And you get a lot of ideas from those shows. You hear how other people have made mistakes because a lot of them do. Mm-hmm. And it's like all of life, right? Yeah. The best lessons are made through mistakes. It's really nice when other people are making them. Yeah. You get to watch. Um, so you don't have to go through the pain. Yeah. But we've certainly made our own share of mistakes. So um, I, uh, I, I honestly, I attribute a lot of it to that. And then of course, like I would read some different business books a lot of them more so on like high level strategy. Sure. I'm very much like an idea, kind of like a global thinker as opposed to, um, as opposed to the deep down, like micro level. I'm, I'm not a very organized person. I'm not a very, uh, I do not manage my own time. Well, my wife and, uh, our, our, our partner, Madison, like they have to just like whip me into shape because mm. I'm like, we can do everything. Like, let's do this. And da-da-da. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, you, you look at how other people do business, you, you, you follow because like anything, there's patterns in life and you yeah. can see what people are doing that's successful and you can see what people are doing that's, that's not successful. You know, Mark Cuban always says success leaves clues and, um, and it's true, man. So you, there are a lot of positive examples out there and you know, I tended to try and follow those. Yeah. Who's your positive example right now? Like I want two though. One would be like the star icon, like the Mark Cuban potentially. Okay. And then the other would be the practical one. Like who do you actually call as like a mentor if you have one? Oh man. Um, the star. Um, I actually don't know his name. So maybe this doesn't what company qualify. Does he work for? I don't know that either. Oh. Okay. So I've, I've read and it's a while ago, like maybe a year or two ago, but there's this couple, the guy was like a chemical engineer mm-hmm. and then he ended up starting a hedge fund doing really, really well and then grew it to a few billion dollars and then cashed out. Mm-hmm. His wife also super successful, like in her own right, whatever, had you know some seven figure salary, whatever, very bright people. Once they decided to cash out the hedge fund, now what they do is they invest in nonprofits mm. and people that are leading cultural change um, healthcare change, uh, um, waste change, right? How we, how we go through waste, food production, all of these different things to try and make the world a better place. They're investing in these things. And so they are my icons in oh, that. Cool. That's the goal for the skit. Like we want to make work as big as possible for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think there are, there are holes in how group fitness is applied. I think that a lot of companies do a lot good, but there are things that they don't do as good. (laughs) Um, and I think that, that we all, the entire industry can do a lot better. And so I'm hoping in my small way to be a leader of that change. So we want to grow a company that really truly loves on people a little bit more in the personal fitness space. Um, so that's number one, that, 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 that's a mission. Number two, I want to grow as big as I can, frankly, and I'm not sad about it to say it or shamed, like to make as much money as I can, because I want to invest a lot of that money back into people. Sure. I think that the private sector, like like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, for instance, right? People don't realize that on their balance sheet, like they're nonprofit or not nonprofit, they're they're philanthropic organizations that'll like write a check and then they deduct the losses of the check, like they amortize it over years. So it looks like they continue giving, but they didn't. Is it still a lot of money? Yes. And is it fantastic that they gave? Yes. But they gave one time, but on their balance sheet, they make it look like they give year over year. That's kind of 
it's kind of messed up. Yeah. Um, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they legitimately donate a new $5 billion every single year. And I think that that is fucking awesome. Yeah. So like, do I anticipate ever being worth a hundred billion dollars? No, but my goal is to go as big as we can. Cause I've got, I, I, I have the, the will and I have hopefully the capacity to give as much as I can. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I don't think, you know, we just had an election and I, I don't think that that doesn't matter, but I think that individual people making individual decisions and trying to shape change, I think does a lot more than social programs, than, you know, public health services, than whatever. I just think that our individual actions, and I think that in the private sector business has a lot more capacity to truly drive change than do, you know, politicians. And so. Oh yeah. What's one of the changes that you want to make? Uh, I mean, right now I'm super into this guy. His name is, uh, Mark Hyman, Dr. Mike Hi Mark Hyman, and he has a podcast. Um, so if you're a podcast listener, I'm sure Mikhail doesn't mind. Um, it's called the doctor's pharmacy with pharmacy with an F mm -hmm. F A R M A S M A C Y. And he interviews all of these different medical professionals, different people in the agricultural sector. He just did an interview with a guy who is the co, uh, CEO and technically co-founder of whole foods. Mm. And so he's talking about change in the food sector. Cool. And so what I would do, you know, one of the things that I want to invest in, you know, it's, it's not only, um, just providing more resources for people, but it's educating. So education is huge for me. Um, people need to be educated better. I don't think that our health, uh, programs in schools are nearly effective enough. Um, they're, they're very cursory and let's be honest, it's kind of like ear, nose and throat, right? Like this is what chicken pox are. And this is a germ and da da da. And it's like, okay, why aren't we teaching people how to eat? Like we wonder yeah. why we have an obesity epidemic. There's, there are very, there are very specific reasons for why that's the case. Yeah, well, pizza is still being considered a whole food, at, right. which I agree with personally. Yeah. Like, but it's a great food. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll eat a whole pizza. I don't know if that makes it a whole food, but, but that's obviously a problem. Right. Yeah. Right. So it comes down to school lunch programs. It comes down to how we educate. It comes down to the fact that, so this is crazy. He talks about it in his book. He talks about it on the podcast, but it's something to the tune of like, 60% of the food stamps program, it's 60, it might even be more. I, I wanted to say 80, but that sounds too crazy, but it's over 60%. I know that for a fact is directly, uh, funded to purchase, uh, soda and or junk foods yep. of food stamps. So the government subsidy, which I think overall is a good thing that we're helping those that are disenfranchised in our communities that we're trying to, um, help empower people that they can shop at normal grocery stores that we're giving them the, the dignity of shopping in a real store as opposed to, you know, so I don't think that we should have to necessarily control what everyone eats, but the fact that that money is used on the, the very thing that's making people unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that literally one out of five of every medical dollar is spent on treating diabetes, hypertension, uh, heart disease, some kind of literally uh, lifestyle related disease. Like that's a travesty, especially yeah. when we're one of the most educated countries in the world, supposedly. So supposedly. food is a huge, huge part of that. You know, I'm not going to get into education. That's not my lane. That's not my Avenue. Um, but I think food and then the other side would be finance and I'm not the brightest finance guy in the world, but the same thing. I don't think that we're taught how to handle money. Well, mm. uh, it's never talked about. Why aren't there financial literacy courses in high school? Why is there accounting basic accounting? Why like, is that not a thing? And for like seniors, like, Hey, by the way, this is going to happen next year. When you graduate, here's your, this is what you need to know about your taxes. Right. Nobody teaches that. Right. It's important shit. Right. <laughs> well, I mean that taxes, yeah. how many people can explain to us our own current tax system? How many? 
right? Very few, <laughs> very few understand it. I think we've hired so, like three people in the last year to help us figure out like business taxes. Yeah, it's, it's such right. a pain. It's a pain, man. Yeah. So that's the way that I would try to shape change first and foremost would be education of food. Mm. And then number two would be trying to help, you know, revolutionize and maybe even radicalize our food distribution services. So a lot of the food waste, so there, there are those crazy stats, over 40% of the food that's produced in America gets thrown away. Mm, right. um, over 20% of the waste <clears throat> that's in landfills is food. And so the part of the issue, a big part of the issue is the market dynamics. It's not Americans throwing their food away. I mean, that is a thing. That's a real issue, right? Don't, don't buy more than you need, you know, cook what you have, eat what you have. But it's the, the farmer sends it to the grocery store the market isn't there. People aren't buying it. Well, what does the grocery store do? They can't send it back to the farmer. It's mm. going to spoil now. So that food just gets wasted. Yeah. So our supply and demand uh, entire infrastructure, I think, could and should change, yeah. especially in this country when we do have certain pockets, you know, in here in California, certain parts of the South that are incredibly fertile for growing specific kinds of foods. You know, we're, we're, we're obviously very efficient of it if we're creating enough of a surplus that we can waste 40% and people are still well-fed in this country, right? Yeah. So it's, we have this overproduction and this, I would say, incorrect consumption. And, uh, and that's something that I would love to try and help in whatever small way I could. There are some pretty cool um, organizations even around here. Like last week, we went to the Somebody Cares Kitchen, uh -huh. Costa Mesa. Yeah. And apparently, uh, Trader Joe's donates like $400,000 worth of like food that's uh -huh. wasted. Yeah. Um, every year to them, and then they redistribute it to to anybody that's hungry, that's which is great. Phenomenal. So exactly. So creating more organizations like that, and then getting. So I forget the name. It was actually again just in that podcast I was listening to. But there's a gal who started a company that she does that. She basically created a software that helps these organizations communicate with one another mm. so that grocery store X That's cool. can give to community service organization Y, you know, Hey, this is what's going to be coming to you. And, da -da -da, and they can kind of figure out their own inventories. Yeah. Really, really cool to distribute. I like this. There's this, uh, I think it's some D to C company too that will send you produce, but it's imperfect. Yeah. Imperfect produce. That's right. That's what it's called. Yeah. It's called imperfect produce. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> Good yep. branding guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think their produce it's not perfect, and I can't think of the name of it. That's awesome. No, but I, I like the idea of it. I'm yet yeah. to I'm yet to implement it, but I definitely like the idea of that stuff. I hate wasting food, and yeah, to the listener, hate wasting yeah, food. I will like if something's and truth be told, like I get busy, whatever. So there's like leftover food mm -hmm. sometimes, but and I've eaten some questionable meats. Yeah, like, <laughs> just so that we've like, all been there. Yeah, you know, just like so no animal goes to waste type of thing. Yeah. Um, to the listener, too, I, I do want to point out that Dane is so real about this that he wouldn't even allow me to get him a cup of water when we started because, like, no, nah, I don't know if I'll drink it. I don't like to waste. I'm like, all right, <laughs> like, respect. No, <laughs> well, that's cool when you do that. It's the little things, right? So, like, super cheesy, and I'm going to get judged for this, and I don't care. Like, oh, what a weirdo freaks. My wife and I have little portable reusable utensils that we take with us everywhere. So, we don't use plastic forks and knives mm. and stuff, like, when we're out. Like. Yeah. And it drives me nuts because like we're so enculturated to making everything as convenient as possible mm -hmm. that I'm at flame broiler or I'm at, I'm picking up a poke bowl or I'm at wherever and there's stuff in my bag and I'm like, oh no, 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 no forks. Oh, okay. They, so they put in chopsticks. No, 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 no chopsticks. Oh, okay. 17 napkins. What do I need 17 napkins for? Like I'm a grown ass man. Like I'm not that messy. <laughs> right? Like. You know, so, and what do we do? We, when people are done, they just throw the back. And I, oh, so that stuff drives me nuts. Yeah. So I just, yeah. So my wife and I, our own little, yeah, we, we, we're, we're the bag people. I've got all my own bags and, um, 
And so for a while, now we've got way too many bags, but for a while, uh, I would literally, if I went to the grocery store and I didn't have a bag, instead of using the place, paper of the plastic, like I would just buy a new bag. Sure. Like that was my punishment, like mm. for, for messing up. Like, and that's the thing, like in a lot of life, I think that we uh, shirk responsibility sometimes and accountability because it hurts. Weird. Weird, right? <laughs> um, and that's just one small way that we try to hold ourselves accountable. So saying that like, I don't use plastic water bottles, not because I'm high and mighty or whatever, but it's just like, dude, like, do I really need it? Like, am I going to die of thirst right now in this hour session? Like, sure. no. So I'm going to get to my car. I have a water bottle in my car. It's fine. How um, caught up are you on Shark Tank? I am almost current. I'm almost current. Have you seen the episode with the metal collapsible uh, straw? We were actually just having a conversation about how we could make that product better. So like my wife is in my business and she loves me and she loves the business. But there's this aspect of her. She's going to be so mad at me for telling this. There's an aspect (laughs) of her that uh, I guess because it's more like my vision she doesn't feel like it's completely hers. And she feels like she wants to leave her own mark. And so she has this, I, you know, she, she thinks, you know, she has this feeling because she's pretty darn creative and she's very, she's very in, in, ingenuous. I don't know what that's a word. I'm thinking she's ingenuity in action is the word that I'm trying to make up. Okay. Um, <laughs> as a verb, ingenuity as a verb. <laughs> uh, and so she thinks that she's going to have an invention. And so what she'll do is like, we'll watch Shark Tank. And like, she's like going through design flaws and like, oh, they should have done this, this way. And yeah. then, so she's thinking up like, how can she make it better kind of a thing? Yeah. So the straw actually just came up in a conversation recently because yeah. that straw collapses, like they break yeah. it down. And she's like, well, why don't you just shrink it down? Like, why doesn't it collapse vertically? Oh, and now it's thinner. And it's literally the width of a dime as opposed to, right? Because the thing came in like a case. Yeah, like it came in a case. So like, like, hold on, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, if you're into that, it's like, for me, I probably wouldn't get that. However, I re- like what you're doing, <laughs> yeah. respect it. Uh, like right it. now, it's like a huge change in, not a huge change in behavior, but just not something I've really ever thought of. Yeah. I have yeah. my own chopsticks. There you go. I love it. See, there you go. They're like lightsabers. They yeah. light up. It's pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I see some Star, Star, Star Wars stuff. I almost, I think, bought those for my brother, actually, the chopsticks <laughs> you're, you're talking about. Yeah, they're pretty sweet. That's rad. But, so, you know, there's we, were, we took a trip to Hawaii this last yeah. year, and like all of Hawaii, like you can't get a straw anymore. Um, so there, there are these that's social cool. changes. The city of San Francisco is doing something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are people kind of going that route and that's rad. So yeah. again, so for us, it'd be like investing in those kinds of things, those projects, that collapsible straw company, things like that would be cool. That is cool. I do, you know, this is kind of messed up to say, but I'll be honest, like as much as like, it's a little inconvenient for those paper straws at Starbucks, yeah. the fact that they did something like that, that cost them a lot more money. Right. That's rad, dude. I think like, it's rad. Yeah, it's really cool that we're that people are starting to care about the future, right? Instead of right now, I don't think that was always the case, right? Um, I want to change gears just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Or early on in the podcast, you mentioned like you've assessed that in your early years you were you were pretty insecure. Yeah, yeah. I, that's not the vibe I get from you today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I know it's like kind of a loaded question, but what what was the path for you in retrospect? What was the path for you in retrospect, like? to develop a sense of security in yourself? Um, well, I would say, number one, I am still insecure. Everybody's insecure. I think that the people who don't admit that are not self-aware. Mm. Um, we have, and, and, and part of that is born out of the complexity that is the human social psyche, right? We are animals. There's, there's no getting around that, right? <laughs> and so we understand that there are primal animalistic needs, right? We go to the bathroom, we need air, we need water, we need food, we need, there are these things about ourselves that we're like, oh yeah, 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 we're animalistic in that. 
And then there's these other aspects where we're like, oh no, we're so elevated. Like we're so, we're so much more than just an animal, right? Our, our thought processes, we're so elevated. I was um, waiting for the characters to come we're out. We're so, yeah, <laughs> we're so refined. Oh my goodness. Um, look at us. So, but really we're not in a sense, like we're still not much different. If you look at certain animals, social behaviors, we're not, we're not that much different. And so I would say that insecurity is to a degree, it's you being that chimpanzee going through the jungle and you see another chimpanzee that's not part of your tribe. And it's not that you're afraid of what he's going to do. It's that you don't know what he's going to do. Right. And what's our greatest fear? What's everybody's greatest fear? The unknown. The unknown. It's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So with insecurity, it's not even, and, and for some people it's extreme, right? When I was a teenager, it was the extreme. It was nobody likes me, right? I'm worthless. I don't have value. And I went through that at different seasons. I, I, there are times when I have flashes and moments of that, mm. if, if I'm honest. Um, but then over time, you start to realize again, like, you know, because my worldview, because my mindset is that most people are good people. Um, I, I started to realize like, no, people aren't going to hurt me. People aren't going to harm me. So while I don't know what they're going to do, I've got a pretty good sense that no one's, well, very few people are dangerous. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you start letting more people in and you start letting more people in, more people in and more people keep not hurting you. And, oh my gosh, this is a good thing. And now I'm going to let even more people in and even more people in. And so you, you build your social confidence that way. Um, and then the other side of that is going to be achievement. And I know that sounds kind of like weird or hokey, but when you look at, you know, it's, 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 it's the thing that I love the most about fitness. I'm not, you know, I'm not Mr. Bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. I do not look like an Instagram fitness model. Except for your profile picture, your abs, I am doing. Trying. Okay. So that, well, okay. So there you go. Here's this total, total <laughs> self-report. Why did I choose that picture? Cause you look rad. Cause I look rad in that picture, <laughs> right? Of course. Right. What it is five, you know, whatever, four goddamn years ago, I put that picture up and I'm like, that's still a rad day. That's still probably the best I've ever looked. I'm going to leave that right. Like, Karen's like you don't look like that anymore. Yeah, exactly. Right? What an asshole of me. You saying this, I'm going to go change it now. just so I'm not an asshole. Um, but honestly, right. Like, why do I choose that picture? Cause I, cause that picture made me feel good. It takes me to a time where I felt really good about my body. I'm very confident. Right. Mm-hmm. But even then, so, so, so my point was going to be like, I'm not Mr. Mr. Bodybuilder guy. I'm not like a physique competitor. I'm not that person. I'm also not Mr. Like super sport, like competitive. Da, da, da. There was a time in my life that I was that, but the competition bred more negativity for me. There are people who can use competition positively. I can't. Mm. That's something that's always been tough for me. Competition gets negative for me very fast, very fast. Um, because of that, because of that fear of failure. Right. And so uh, over time though, trying new things, doing different things and succeeding. I, I think there's nothing in the world that builds personal self-worth more than overcoming physical obstacles, nothing in the entire world. And so that's what I was going to say that I love so much about fitness is that not when I get somebody who's, you know, 18% body fat down to eight and they've got a six pack now it's that now that they feel empowered, number one, that they can control their own body. They can control what it looks like, how it feels. Right. But number two, that they achieved something. It's not the getting there. It's not the end result. It's the achievement that comes with it. It's the client who has bad knees and hikes a mountain. It's the client that, you know, you know, a lot of people fit in weight loss, right? Like that to me is so easy. And so like low hanging fruit, like getting someone who's 30 pounds over to weight to drop 15, 20, all 30 pounds 
the 30 pounds is not what matters because frankly, your self-worth is not your body. I like you at 30 pounds overweight. I like you, right, at whatever your desired weight. I like you either way. The goal is getting you to like you. Mm. And to me, nothing in the world makes you, whoever you are, like yourself more than when a physical burden is placed upon you so that you're physically, back to that primal part, right? That natural animalistic part, when you're like, holy shit, you're underneath weight and this, this thing's gonna crush me. If I don't run fast enough, this treadmill's gonna trip me. I'm gonna shoot off the right. When physical, something bad is gonna happen and you're able to overcome that, holy smokes, man. Like that sense of self-achievement of, no, like I, I am capable. I am awesome. I do have worth. I do have value. It just floods over you. And so that's, it's, that's, you know, my favorite thing about fitness. And that wasn't the question here. I go on a tangent again. Um, but as far as me developing it, it's, it's, I guess, just as I've grown, I've tiptoed into more and more things that make me uncomfortable and I've come out alive. Yeah. And so now that I've done enough of it, I've gotten uncomfortable enough and I've come out okay enough times, not every time, <laughs> not every time. I've certainly failed my plenty of my, my, my fair share of times. Um, but enough times now, now I'm all good. Then it comes down to focus because you've still failed along the way. However, yeah, yeah. you choose to focus on what you have achieved as opposed to what you've failed at. Yeah, for sure. How do you do that? Like I in mean, a practical sense for me, I write it down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. For me, so me personally, mm-hmm. I literally just don't like, I, I don't even know. It's, it's, it's honestly it's just, my, my mindset. Yeah. I don't yeah. think of, I don't think of my failures, um, because they are, they're already in the past. Like every, I guess if I struggle with something, if I would say there's something that I need to work on, it's living in now. Cause mm-hmm. I'm always living 10 steps from now. So because I'm always looking forward, I literally can't look backward. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's a positive in that it doesn't hold me back. I would say it's a negative in that sometimes I'm not as present as I should be. Sometimes I'm not enjoying the moment as much as I should. Like I'm the guy, I'm so much more excited on Christmas Eve to be in jammies and like all the sparkly shit to open the presents than I am about the actual presents. Yeah. Right. If I'm going to go to a football game, right. Like I'm so geeked up, like the week leading up to the football game, the drive, the stadium, the tailgate. And then when the game's going on, I'm like, cool. Like <laughs> it totally, I could totally come yeah. down. I'm very much like a what's coming kind of a person. For sure. So I guess that's it. I'm always looking forward. So I'm never looking back. I like that quote quite a <laughs> bit. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I actually, people used to say that Friday was the best day of the week. And oh, I was, God, it drives me nuts. No, Go ahead. well, there's, sorry for somebody like you and I, yes, it drives me nuts as well. However, my argument was that it's actually Thursday. Is okay. the best day of the okay. week because you're looking forward to Friday so much. Got like, it. Damn, tomorrow's Friday. Da, 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 da. Got it. But Friday is like anxiety. What the fuck am I going to do tonight? Because like <laughs> I got to make sure that I'm doing this, and then it doesn't happen. Saturday sucks because you're hungover. Then Sunday you're like, right. I have to go back to work. So it's actually Thursday. Thursdays. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That cracks me up. So you mentioned uh, in I believe an article or in an interview somewhere that performance matters less in this place than effort. Can you explain that? Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, we have a little. Yeah, when we open work, I'm, I'm very, I'm very sort of design and aesthetic oriented, um, which is really funny because like if you see me, like I don't care about how I look for the most part nowadays. Like I'm always in work stuff. I'm usually in sweats. I'm usually in flip flops. I'm not always shaven. Like my car's dirty. Like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the business, like that space, that has to be a clean space. Yeah. And there have to be clean lines, and there have to be warm textures, and the color scheme matters, and the shapes matter. Um, and of course, part of ambiance is language, 
right? When you walk into a place, I've always liked verbal marketing. Um, and so we wanted to, we wanted to put up something that would let people know kind of what I said a few moments ago, like we like you exactly how you are. The only thing we're ever going to ask for at work is effort. I'm not going to ask for performance because everybody's body's different. Mm. I'm not going to ask you to look a certain way because I like you no matter how you look, right? What I'm going to ask for is your effort because that's a mindset because that's attitude. And if you're going to succeed in anything in life, effort has to be behind it. So we have this, um, I'm going to call it a credo that hangs above our glass doors. And that's one of the lines in that is performance matters far mm. less in this place than effort. Um, and that's the idea so that somebody walking in for the first time, cause let's be honest, right? They look online, they see that it's intense. We advertise ourselves as intense. Um, the fact of the matter is like, if you want physical change in your body, you need to go through discomfort. Mm -hmm. Um, and so all of that though, kind of has this sort of negative orientation to it. This draw people are fearful walking in. So we wanted to let people know, like, if there's, if, if you're worried about tripping, if you're worried about whatever, if you're worried about da, da 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 this is the one thing you don't have to worry about, right? Is as long as you're giving us your best, we're in love with you. Yeah. You know, for that hour, we're, man, we just want to, we want to kiss you on the lips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the listener too, if you're in Orange County, I, I definitely recommend checking it out. It's not, the website is intimate, was intimidating. I'll yeah. be honest. Yeah. The, uh, some of your videos online are relatively intimidating. I'm like, dude, really? Like, I'm cool on my spin bike. Right. I love Mindy, but <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I wanted to Mindy. try something. Yeah. I wanted yep. to try something new. Yeah. Um, then when we got there, what made it rad was one, you, um, oh, but two, you. I want to say her name was Jasmine. Is her name Jasmine? She was in the group with me. In Jas class with you? Yeah. Yeah, Jasmine. Oh, it was Jasmine. Yeah, Jasmine. Wow, I never remember names. Sorry. That was amazing. But that's how I was about big to say of a her last name, yeah. But that's how much of an impact she made mm. on me was like, and maybe Alex I think Alexa's done something like that. But for me, it was just like, oh, cool. I'm not doing this by myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she yeah. was great to like point to the next thing, show the workout, like right. that type of thing. So that community is awesome. Right. Um second to last question I wanna uh I wanna ask you today is, you know, the community that you have in your gym is amazing. I see what you're doing online. You're building a community there, really offering a lot of value in the content that you put out. Yeah. Um, you know, this sense of this community that you've built, was this intentional? Uh, and like, why are you doing it? Why do you think it's so important for somebody else to do it? Um, so I, I'm going to correct you. Um, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty intentional about this. Um, I didn't build anything. Like we put up walls. Mm -hmm. I painted a bunch of stuff. Um, I built some stuff. We scraped walls to expose the concrete so it looks cool. And I, you know, we just talked about the words that I wrote up on the up on the wall. Um, yeah, I bought equipment. I staffed the place. I paid the bills. Sure. Um, I didn't. I didn't build a community. Um, the community built itself, and it's something that I take incredibly, incredibly um, seriously because people don't understand that they are all capable of drastically impacting anyone else's life. At any time, you can truly make someone feel amazing or you can make them feel like shit. A lot of times we just kind of make them feel in the middle. We're just kind of blase. Right. We, we, we just kind of take this heads down approach, not looking people. In. So we wanted to, the term I use is engender. We engender a safe space. We engender an accepting space. Um, 
And back to the effort thing, we're going to give people all the effort that they give us or give themselves because that's our job. Um, you know, we wanted to create a place that people wanted to feel comfortable coming to. And when they left, they felt better than when they walked in. Mm. And that's easy to say. And I know a lot of people will say something like that, but there are things that they do that, that, that don't execute on that. You know, one of my favorite quotes of all time, cause it's just so true is hurting people hurt people. And so I had to get to a place with my personal development before I could open the business. And the business is never going to be successful if I was still held back by my personal demons. And let's be honest, like I still have not good days. And I would say those are not good days in the business, right? I don't teach a great class when I'm not hundred percent on my people don't get the, they don't get what they deserve from me because I'm not where I need to be. Mm. Um, and so we talk about this with like our employees. Like if you're not good to teach, do not walk in that room. Like any of the rest of us will buckle up. Even if we're tired, even if we're hungry, we'll go teach that class, you know, so that you don't have to, like, if you're not good today, go home, like have you time. And so we were really intentional about that. Cause the fact of the matter is like, it's in our mission. It's actually part of our charter. Um, you know, we, we have core values and a mission statement, but it's, uh, one of the lines at the, at the, on the bottom of our mission statement is in an insecurity inducing industry. How does everybody market in fitness? Mm. You're fat, you're out of shape, you're skinny fat, <laughs> you know, you're too skinny, you're too bulky, you're whatever, right? Like it's all like, you're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're doing right. Cause it's classic sales. What is it? What's the sales funnel? We all know it. Yeah. Provide a need sense of urgency, yeah. you know, make them feel like you provide something they don't have. And that's fucked up. Like in fitness, like, are you kidding me? Like your entire goal is to elevate people. You can't, you can't do that when the first thing you do is tear them down. Yeah. Right. So we just try really, really hard. Um, to provide a space where people feel safe. And I know that sounds like hippy dippy and lovey dovey, but like, it's true, man. Yeah. Um, we just think that a lot of, I mean, frankly, a lot of businesses in any industry would do a lot better if they, if they work to do that. So I think you're doing it right in my, Thanks, like man. whatever my two cents is, because <clears throat> in, in an Instagram culture yeah. where like, honestly, every fit person's like, it's like thick with two C's. I just found out what that means. And I just wanted to say it out loud. <laughs> Let the let the listener know that like I am up to date with the lingo. Are the C's an acronym? Uh, no, I don't know. Thick what it means. with two. C it was like P H A T back the in fat. the day. Got it. Okay, okay. But okay. it's like thick with two C's. Got it. Okay. Yeah. See now you're educating me. Yeah. There you go. There we go. So like in an Instagram culture, uh, yeah, where you know everybody's like a fitness model. It feels yeah, like, and it's right. it's unrealistic body images in my opinion. Yeah. And then in addition to that, you have these massive companies like Bang Energy Drink, where their whole marketing thing is. Let's get this on the most, you know, you know, it's almost uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like that's the marketing. It's like, I come into where, where you are. And what's great about it is not only are there people cool, but it's everybody of shapes and sizes and they feel just as empowered as everybody else. Right. It's not the beefy dude there. That's right. like, Hey, let me show you how to do this workout. I've yeah. dealt with that. I'm like, please, like I'm right. fine. You know what I'm saying? But it's right. like, it's like just Good people just there Thank to have you. fun. So it's cool that you've done that. Thank you. Respect it a lot. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard because sex sells. Let's yeah. be honest. And it still does. It's not going away. Like it's still yeah. And so that's hard for us because like, because people, there are people who want that. It's hard. It's tempting not to go there, mm -hmm. to be honest. Um, 
but it's also hard because like people will will like look at me and I'm like I'm an I'm an average guy like I'm an I'm a, I'm an average guy who has an above average fitness level, mm. but I'm an average looking guy, and and it'll be like oh you're you're a trainer and it's like oh man like <laughs> <laughs> like they don't but like because I don't look like you know Joey Swole and you yeah. know this other dude and da 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 and you know my my wife's not in her bikini with her with her boobs popping out or whatever like we're not fitness people like we're not we're we don't know anything like it disqualifies and it's like nah like. I, I I know what I'm talking about. I, yeah. like, <laughs> I know. I, think I don't have too. to look like that to know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 tough. It's tough. But it's, but I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. No, but it's true. I think it, this is a completely different conversation. But I think it's funny that all these guys and girls, yeah, they're at the gym all the time. But I don't know how they're working out, taking pictures of themselves in the yeah, mirror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Real crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Not that I don't enjoy it from time to time, to be quite honest. But. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's, there's, there's something to be, right? There's aspiration, right? Yeah. Like I'll, I'll be right. My Instagram, I've got people on that that I follow. Yeah. You know, I, you know what? I finally, this is again, different. I finally, I went through, I deleted so much of that stuff. Rad. Cause I was just like, for one, it's just my, my experience on something that I spend so much time on should not be making me feel like shit. Should yeah. not be making me think of anybody other than the person I'm in love with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that type of stuff. So I wanted to eradicate a lot of that and it's been pretty good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're big quote guys. And so like one thing for that, like this gal um, that I used to work with her husband, her name's Lindsay Phillips. And she was speaking one time and she said, you can't ever compare yourself to other people because when you do, you're comparing your weaknesses to their strengths. Damn. And it's like, dang, man, like that's so true. Like if you actually just stop and just think about that, it's a 100% right. Mm -hmm. Every single time you compare yourself to somebody else, you're looking right at where you feel like you're flawed and where you feel like they're excellent. Yeah. And, um, and it's, man, we set ourselves up for that thing, man. That's rough, <laughs> man. So I think that's great that you do that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. You got to be conscious about stuff like that. Now, yeah. um, Dan, as you might know, uh, the final question, what I like to ask all the guests is, um, what if you could say one thing to any listener, whatever it might be, whether it's in fitness, building a business, confidence, you know, what is one bit of advice that you would give to the listener right now? Yeah, I, I do know that this is what you ask. And I, it's the only thing that I thought about on my way over here. Because I like, like you, like, so for a while I was like, I did a quote of the day and I would write to that and still like, I'll, I'll do like once a week because it takes me a long time to write like my thoughts. I love words. I love language. And I, there are much smarter people out there than me. And, um, and so what I do is I'll try to extrapolate like what I take out of somebody's cool quote. Right. And so I'm thinking about this, like, what's the one? Cause I'm like the quote guy, like in my organization is like, Oh, what's the quote on this boss? Like, <laughs> uh, like I'm just so like, I'm that guy, like I'm grandpa with like, Oh, what did that one time? Like for me, it's quotes. And, um, and I don't know, like, cause I don't want to get it wrong. I don't want to say the, the, no. so the one I said earlier, honestly, hurting people hurt people is one of the truest things I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, what you attract people with is what you attract people to. That's also one of the um, most important things I think I've ever heard, right? When you're trying to attract somebody, so back to what we were just talking about with your Instagram body, with your whatever, with your whatever, that's all they want from you, right? When you're uh, a female or a male, right? And you're sh exposing yourself with not a lot of clothing on or whatever, you're appealing to people's sexual desire and that's what they're going to want from you. They're maybe not going to take you as seriously. They're going to objectify you. They're going to feel like they can treat you a certain way because they feel like you're sending that out in the world. Mm. 
Mm. When you, and, and then the flip side of that coin is, you know, so we look at those people and we're like, oh, they're brazen and they're brash. And they're like, they're real confident. They're peacocks. Well, what about the other side? It, when you're insecure and you walk with slumped shoulders and you're wearing sweaters in July and you're that person whose eyes are downcast, uh, I know where you're at. Like I've been there. I've been there, but you need to, you need to stand up. You need to walk tall. You need to put your shoulders back. You need to bring your eyes up. Cause if you don't, you're going to continually be isolated because that's what people are seeing from you mm. that you want to be isolated. So they're reading from you that you want to be alone. So they leave you alone. Yeah. But no one wants to be alone. Right? So what you attract people with is what you attract people to whatever you're putting out there. It has so many facets. Um, that's what's going to come back to you. So that would be my, my parting shot, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you seem so disappointed, but I love that one. Well, I feel like there's so many and I'm like missing there's out. So like, many. What else could I say? I might end up, I, no, I'm not ever going to change that question because it jams everybody up because for me, it's like, we'll talk about anything and then it's like, hey, what's one thing we want to leave everybody with? Yeah. The last thing. Right. Well, because you feel like it's the most important, but yeah. the, the whole thing is important. It's just the thing. We all have something to say. Yeah. But man, I appreciate your time. Dude, there's so, likewise. Yeah. And I'm glad that we got to know each other. To the listener, I think the first time I hang out with anybody now is just going to be recorded. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, to anybody that wants to connect with you, where can they find you? Uh, I can find, I mean, easiest, honestly, you really want to connect with me, send me a text, man. Call me. 916-628-3147. Call me, text me. Um, we are available. Our website is WeWork it.com all words spelled out we work for it.com so my email is just dane at the website dane at we work for it.com and then um dangerous d-a-n-e juris fitness on the gram for douchey profile pick but then otherwise you know pretty pretty humble content i think i think it's <laughs> awesome your content's rad i'm like thanks it's actually entertaining too i'm just glad you're not I, you're cool. I try I, to, I, yeah, I try to I try to make it funny and I try to make it educational. Yeah. I, my, my goal is to benefit, you know, people. So anyways. That's awesome. Uh, to the listener, we really appreciate your time. Heck yeah. And your attention. Um, if you love the episode, we would dig a five-star review. And if you didn't like it that much, feel free to stick it to us, but leave a five-star review anyway because it's nice. <laughs> be <laughs> and, nice. Be nice. Yeah. And be sure to subscribe because we're going to have a lot of incredible guests just like Dane back on the show. Thanks again, Dane. Thanks so much, Mikhail. Yeah.